0: hey everyone welcome to week four of the mcshane and rucker show i'm oliver rucker alongside jack mcshane we have we're really excited today we have uh jordan schusterman from cesbis family barbecue who's been kind enough to join us to talk about some baseball and the world series thank you for joining us jordan
1: absolutely pleasure thank you guys so much for the invite um obviously this is a very fun time of year to be talking about baseball. Uh and that's what I am fortunate enough to do for a living. So any more opportunity to talk about baseball with people that love it as much as I do is uh, is a welcome one.
0: Well I mean, you know, and you just said you talk about baseball for a living. I just mm-hmm. just for starters, like how did you and Jake Mintz the other mm-hmm. the other member of Cespas Family Barbecue? How would you guys get started? Like just can you tell us a little bit about your history just to- Sure.
1: Sure. Yeah. Just the you know the brief, brief overview is yeah. we were friends. Uh, we actually really were not friends in middle school, but we grew up in the same area uh, outside of Washington, DC. And we were at the same school and we didn't really like each other. But then in high school, we realized that we were the only two people in our grade that really loved baseball. And so we just started talking about baseball all the time. By the end of high school, we decided to start our website just because for ourselves, it was not like, oh, let's make a thing that people will know what it is. We'll just do it for fun because we think we're funny. And we'll get to look back in however many years and be like, Oh, look at these baseball jokes we made in 2012. Like that was pretty much the intention. Uh, we made it, then we made it Twitter, uh, when we went off to school, we went to two different uh, colleges, but then we started doing a podcast then as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, it kind of slowly, slowly, slowly took off in the off season or sorry, in the summer, when we weren't in school, we would be doing road trips uh, across the country with seeing a lot of minor league games and, um, meeting people, interviewing players, interviewing broadcasters, and just kind of making a lot of connections. And the Twitter just kind of slowly grew from there. Um, And yeah, and when you have the name Cespedes Barbecue, people are like, what the hell is that? And that's kind of why. (laughs) And for those of you that don't know, it's basically because when Joanna Cespedes came over uh, from Cuba, he sent a video to all 30 teams. And at the end of the video, the 25-minute long video, there's a a clip of him roasting a whole pig on a spit Um, which is amazing because, you know, Billy Bean saw that and was like, yep, let's give that guy uh, $36 million. Sounds like a plan. And, uh, we were like, that's amazing. That's hilarious and represents everything that we love about baseball, which is just players that are different and and cool. Um, but again, it was not like, it was like an inside joke. Essentially. It was not like a, let's explain this to anybody. Now we explain it like multiple times a week, but that's fine. No complaints.
2: And you're not a Met fan, right?
1: No, no, not at all. I mean, I'm wearing my Mariners hat now. Um, of course, at the time, he was Oakland, right? So we've now been through four teams, maybe a fifth coming up in 2021. But no, it was really just him. And I, you know, we're very just player-centric in general. And, like, he just kind of drew us. And so we've kind of been on this weird ride with him as much as everybody else. I mean, the whole, like, the Home and Derby win championships, you know, the multiple trades and then the Mets, the world series run, and then all the other crazy stuff that's obviously happened with the Mets over the last few years, as you guys know so well, I'm sure. Um, we had no idea it was going to be going in this many different directions, but we've been fortunate enough to, uh, to be, you know, weirdly connected to him, I would say. yeah, that's and, awesome. and,
2: you know, kind of transitioning to the, the world series a little bit. Um, you know, we have the Tampa Bay Rays and Los Angeles Dodgers, probably the two best teams in the league. And there was a little bit of, I don't want to say controversy, but kind of a theme that we've seen throughout the playoffs as opposed to regular season is the use of bullpen games. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw the other night that Blake Snell, you know, he had nine strikeouts through four and two thirds innings and gets pulled. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Is that, was that the right move? I mean, I guess hindsight's 2020 since the game already happened, but you know, what is your initial thought on like the idea of a bullpen game?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I thought it was in a uh, fascinating contrast to game one where we, we expect this from the Rays, right? This isn't new, but game right. one, you see glass now go 112 pitches, right? No Ray had gone Ray pitcher gone over 110, I think in the last two years, which is insane, but like, that's just how they do things. And when you have that many relievers that you can rely on um, and I know their best guys, Anderson and Fairbanks have been a little bit shakier lately, but like, that's just, that's what you expect. And honestly, like, yeah, Blake snow was dominant for those four innings, but the problem with him is, man, he just starts walking people and, When you need a game as badly as you do, especially with the Rays down at 1-0 there, like they're going to go to the best option as quickly as possible. And at that point, even though Snell was rolling, Snell can kind of snowball in the wrong direction pretty quickly. So I was not shocked. It was frustrating because I was like, damn, we're going to finally get to watch Snell get to the seventh inning, like after those four innings. But he just has so many full counts and just bad walks and two out hits at walks and – you could just tell that it was kind of trending in the wrong direction. Um, Because
2: pitchers are on such a short leash mm -hmm. in the regular season. Mm -hmm. So in the playoffs, I mean, like, if a guy is, like, not even pitching, like, walks a batter, it's like, oh, he might come out of the game. Like, that's literally what it seems like.
1: Right, which is kind of exhausting. And I know people don't necessarily like that style of baseball, especially compared to last year where we had the Nationals just like completely go crazy with three pitchers. Right. Um, And that is, I would say that that is more aesthetically pleasing and more entertaining to watch the starter go, right? Um, There are just so few teams that have the personnel. And the other thing about this weird season for a million reasons is just especially this month, there's no off days, right? So like you they were pushing it. And earlier in the rounds, like I knew it was going to be crazy. The pitch usage was going to be nuts just because there's no off days. Um, but it's kind of where we're going. And like it's a little frustrating. There are some things I like about it, and then there's some things that are a little unfortunate because I think it, in some ways it is a little bit less
0: entertaining. I mean, we know that though, like that this is something that the Rays have done and Kevin Cash mm-hmm. has done. Like it it I for me is with Blake Snell, it wasn't surprising, but like you said, it was frustrating. Mm-hmm. But I was a little surprised that that was kind of the Dodgers game plan that Tony constantly mm-hmm. went – what was it, inning in a third or something? Yep. And yeah. like, what do you think about that? Like that, that being just the Dodgers game plan rather than
1: – Yeah, know. it was weird. I kind of – I said earlier today that what happened with the Dodgers in game two felt like a mix between what happened to the Yankees in game two of the, of the DS mm-hmm. and the White Sox – in game three of the DS or of the wildcard round, I should say, um, where they use like 10 pitchers and like the Yankees clearly on purpose knew we're going to take out hap, whatever. And you can disagree with that, but like that was clearly a plan they had before the game. seems like the Dodgers knew that Gonsolin was going to come out early also except that the order of pitchers and stayed in and out after that seemed pretty hit or miss kind of random and that's where the game plan is kind of frustrating to watch and obviously it's not necessarily fun even if the game's close to have that many pitching changes um but really it just comes down to and this was written today by a lot of smart people you know they just don't trust Dustin Mayor, Tony Gonsolin to start a game. And I mean, they're rookies. So like, I sort of get it, but it is kind of weird to watch when they are so talented and have had success that the, as you mentioned, Jack, like the leash is so short. And yeah. so like, Gonsolin, I Gonsolin looked bad. Like I know he pitched on Sunday, so maybe he wasn't even, not expecting him to go six, but to have him pulled that quickly, you could just see how it affects. Um, and and in these series, it's always domino effect, right? Because if you just keep using these guys, something that I think the Rays have been amazing at and I've been harping on this all month, their losses are always good because they very rarely lose a game in which they use guys that they might need the next day. Mm -hmm. When you go back and look at their losses this month, It's always the bottom of the bullpen. Game one, they use Yarbrough, they use Fleming, they use Curtis. Like, okay, great. Like, well, we don't need those guys in games that we're trying to win, right? So, they have a a really – whereas the Dodgers, like, they still managed to use a guy like Victor Gonzalez, a guy like Jake McGee, who's been some of their best relievers. Those guys still had to work last night, so – I don't know. It's tough. Um, but I don't like to second guess managing that much. But obviously, there's a huge magnifying glass on it in the postseason.
2: It's and just- also, too, with the new, oh, sorry, Oliver, but also, too, with the new rule change where a pitcher's got to go three batters. Yeah. Like that just changed for a manager to yeah. think, well, he could finish the inning, but then if he doesn't get the batter out, he's still going to face the next one. So, like the lefty specialist is just like gone, yeah. you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's so why Adam Cleric is, is nowhere to be found yeah. <laughs> in this postseason. <laughs> it's after last year's starring against Juan Soto like every five minutes. So, right. Um, but yeah.
0: No, I was just going to say, though, it's funny, like going back to the short leash, how things have changed in so little time. I mean, you even go back to 2015 where our Mets really, really blew it. But the, uh, it's, it, Stephen Matz was a rookie, but was trusted to take the ball in in and actually pitch he wasn't out there just to go one inning two innings see how it went he actually went out there to pitch and i just think and that was five years ago you know and i just think it's crazy that now you'll throw out a rookie pitcher and regardless of how talented they are or how successful they were in the in the regular season they're not they're not necessarily trusted just based on their stats in the league
1: yeah and i think that that's that's a fair comparison right i mean there's some teams that are just willing to go for it like that um I mean, I don't know, man, I, these teams have such different levels of tolerance. And you know, we talk about like the razor or the, the, the pinnacle of matchup based baseball. Right. So like they have every possible thing that's telling them. It does not make sense to have Blake Snell face this guy for a third time. Right. Or to have anybody face this guy for a third time or to have this guy based on this pitch count, based on his velo, based on this, 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 right. Whereas like. Simple this is where I way put it, but like simpler teams with simpler managers are just going to be like, yeah, he's our starting pitcher. He's going to go five innings and we'll see how it goes. Right. Mm. And so sometimes that's good. And sometimes that's bad. Um, right now you have two teams that are way closer to the, they're both on the side, the spectrum of the Rays where they are very smart and they have a lot of, you know, analytical things going into their decisions. And like, that's fine. I think it has made baseball better in a lot of ways, but in some senses, and when you're so, when we're all so focused on one game, I think it does highlight like all right, maybe we should be, maybe we should be reverting back towards starting pitching in the way that we had last season. But it was such—I mean—the Nationals team was built so uniquely that yeah. um, it's hard to say that we can get that again. Because I mean, the Dodgers are loaded, and clearly they only have two pitchers that they trust, right? right. Um, and that's that's kind of wild.
2: Yeah, and I also saw um, that today that you uh, were putting out that chart showing. Well, somebody tweeted about the Dodgers mm-hmm. and their you know, uh, their rest, uh, I'm sorry, their recent pitch counts for the staff yeah. over mm-hmm. their, the course of the ALCS and into the World Series, and then you guys did it for the Rays. Mm-hmm. And you kind of explain like, what that chart says and kind of, like, which team may be managing it better than the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the one, of, of course, thing
1: to remember about a chart like that is is mm-hmm. that, you know, the,
2: the Rays having the extra off
1: day since the ALCS just happened to end a day sooner. I mean, they both went seven games and they both used a lot of guys, but... um it's just kind of a good visual way to look at like, all right, well, who's, who's been worked hard. And in the postseason, it's not just how many pitches you've thrown. And this is what the chart doesn't encapsulate is how many of those pitches were like really freaking stressful. Right. Because realistically, if I look and I see, Oh, well, Diego Castillo threw three pitches the other night, and obviously he just was one, two, three, struck him out to end the game. Right. But it's also just three pitches. But then there's other outings where, you know, someone might throw 19 and like, Oh, that doesn't look so bad. But then you go back and you watch the 19 and it's like, Oh, that was a high stress addict. There's no way we're going back to him today.
0: Mm-hmm. Now at
1: this point, pretty much everyone is going to be available on back-to-back days unless it's an extreme case, but it is just a good representative way to look at who, uh, manager has available and you can start to balance out like, okay, well, I know that so-and-so is better than him, but if I even it out by the fact that this guy's pitched two out of the last three days compared to this guy, that's more fresh. Now we know why maybe they went with trying and over Bruce star or whatever, whatever example you want to go with. So I just enjoyed that as kind of a visual sense to, to know where as we head in uh, to these games this weekend. Hmm.
0: Um, you know, I want to go back to, you know, the rule you talked, we talked a little about the, uh, three batter minimum mm-hmm. and how it's kind of changed things are just in, in a general sense, just the movement away from the, from the world series just the second, the new, all the new MLB rules, the DH and the NL mm-hmm. the runners on second in the, uh, X, trainings. X mm-hmm. trainings, which makes me sick, but everything else, you know, just what's your take on, them, you know?
1: Well, I'm curious for you guys actually, so okay, runner base and extra innings. I think it's probably going to stay, which I I agree. I, is that to it, speed
2: up the game? You think is that why?
1: Yeah, but it's weird because like I don't know if it necessarily accomplishes that. I mean, it's really it's not even just to speed up the game. It's to avoid the eighteen inning game, which in some way is mm. speeding up the game, but it's more so to avoid that happening.
0: But I think that's silly because eighteen inning games are few and far between. Mm-hmm. As yeah. Is. No, I'm with you. Look, uh, it's not like it's eliminating the possibility altogether. Theoretically, it probably won't happen. Right. Like,
2: and also, yeah. And also like the nine, the nine innings have already happened. So I don't think that really would speed up the play as people are saying.
1: Right. Right. No, that's just a matter of that. Like when teams play 18 innings or when teams play 15 innings, it, it like, can throw teams into a very bad space in during a stretch. And so like teams, I think are actually more okay with, I agree with you as a fan, like, sure, whatever, I'll watch as much baseball as you want to give me. So like, give me 25 innings. I don't care. Easy for us to say, right. That one. I don't love it. Although I will say I was much more into it than I expected during the season. Mm -hmm. Would I rather it not be there? Fine. But like, it was definitely entertaining. It did give us some, some crazy stuff. There are parts of it about it that I don't like. Uh, but I, I, I'm more split on that one. I could see it both ways. Obviously, they're not going to do it in the postseason because they they admit that, like, this is a regular season thing, right? In, in the in the postseason, you don't want to take away, like, the amazing 18-in-a-game yeah. game, uh, in 18, right? Like, we wouldn't want to take that away because that was an, an all-timer. Um, DH in the NL, 1,000% support. I saw a report today that, that they're going to go back to having uh, no DH. Um, And if you're both Mets fans, like I'm curious how you guys feel about this. I'm an American League fan, but at the same time, like my argument has always been, I don't understand. There's no way. Okay, here you can you can tell me that I'm wrong, but can you genuinely say you have missed pitchers hitting this year? I I would love to hear your your opinion on this. Have you said you've you've missed pitchers hitting this year?
2: No, I haven't. It's also given. You have. It's fine. But I'm just I'm just asking. If you if you if you look at the Mets as a specific example. Mm -hmm when they have two pretty good first basemen and Pete Alonso and Dom Smith. Now Dom yeah. Smith got like no at bats last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now this year he's gotten a bunch of at bats and he's played so well. And, right. they, and since they had that DH spot, he's been able to get playing time, like which is right. what he's been asking for. Yeah. So yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all mm-hmm.
0: for it. I mean, I, DH. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't missed it per se, mm-hmm. but I have missed like, you know, the, the kind of exciting play like an Archie Bradley triple in the wild card mm-hmm. or a Bartola <laughs> Cologne home run, that kind of thing. But at the same time, for me, it's not so much about actually watching your pitchers bat. It's more about the fact that I just – I don't think – well, first, first of all, I like that there's a distinction between the two leagues. Sure. You know? I I that. love that. I, lo- I love that idea. Mm-hmm. But frankly, and this is – I feel like I'm the only one who thinks this way, but the DH really isn't baseball when you think about it. There's nine players starting. When you have the DH, there's ten. So from that standpoint, I don't like it. Maybe I'm just digging for things to not like the DH. But at the same time, I just but, you know, I, I think I'm just going to have to suck it up and live with it. <laughs>
1: well, that's the thing. Uh, I was going to say, enjoy the pitcher sitting while they're here because there's no way it's going to last much longer. And mm-hmm. my argument is that like when you say, oh, that's not baseball, like I, I totally understand what you mean. Mm-hmm. And I get the P if you the people want to say, oh, what, you shouldn't just be able to focus on this one thing. The reality is you look at literally every other level of baseball and mm-hmm. the pitchers you are not hitting. Okay. There's, there's no say Like, yeah, of course there are two way players. And I I would love to still have two way players. And I hope we still have two way players in the future. Fine. That's fine. But it's really hard to do. Right. As we've seen in a variety of examples. Yeah. But the problem is that like pitchers are not practicing hitting. They're just not, and they're never going to experience. So it is, it is absurd to have to watch a dude go up there and hit in the major leagues ever if he has not been hitting at any point, like it, it is, it's, it's just a farce. Right. And so that's, that's where like, I agree with you, the Archie Bradley triple, the Bartolo Homer, my argument, this is kind of just a joke, but part of me feels like, Hey, we got the Bartolo Homer. I don't need any other pitchers hitting ever. Like <laughs> right. we're not, it's not going to get better Nothing than that. Ever so, top that. Exactly. So like we can, we had that. I'm very fortunate. You know, thank goodness we got that moment. What's going to top that? Let's move on. Do I love watching Jacob deGrom, Homer every, you know, every two years or, you know, Cindergard getting into it? Sure. Of course. But like, like you just said, Jack, wouldn't you rather just watch more good hitters play? Like it's like, yeah. that seems like such a, a, an obvious thing. Um, so while I do agree that uh, the difference between the two leagues, I do agree with that. I think that is the variety in that is true, um, but I'm just, I don't miss it. I'm not going to miss it. And I think that, it's the kind of thing that in 20 years, we're going to look back and be like, why were we letting the pitchers hit for the as longest as we did? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of my take on it.
2: And also, too, I think players like, for instance, like when they were free agents, mm-hmm. probably that came into their mind thinking, well, if I go to the NL, there's like, you know, one less chance of me getting in the lineup, for example, or going yeah. to the AL and a pitcher probably thinks the same thing, too. Right. Right. Vice versa.
1: and that's the other thing is it's just more jobs for players it's not yeah, just the dom totally. smiths who are blocked already on a team it's just it's 15 more major league jobs for major league hitters who deserve to be major league hitting <laughs> instead of the pitchers who are taking all those yeah, pitchers
2: should just focus on the pitching
1: right um, which they which they do right until they're randomly asked to pitch or to hit <laughs> so that's why that doesn't make sense to me so well, anyway sorry sorry to belabor that one but that's no,
0: I, I just think another thing for me i just want to say one more point before we move on is that like you, you think about the World Series, and I always love that. Th- with it goes with the distinction how when an American League, it, I guess it won't really apply this year, but it, the when an American League team goes to the NL, they have to adjust their strategy and the way that they play because the pitchers hitting, and vice versa with the NL. And I just think that's great, particularly at the largest setting. And I just think, and it's it's gonna that's not gonna happen anymore, and that just it kind of makes me sad.
1: Yeah, I I hear that. And I think that's like, again, like it's a super fair point and I can't really take that logic away from you. For me, it's just that like the strategy weighed with like, I don't need to watch Clayton Kershaw hitting, right? Like I don't care. Or like Blake Snell, like am I watching this being like, man, I wish Blake Snell was coming up to bat. Like, like, obviously I would never be at no point during the world series. It almost feels even more ridiculous when I'm like watching these incredibly high leverage at bats. And you're right. There is strategy involved that can be interesting. I don't think that's it, more interesting than just generally getting more good hitters is kind of the yeah. way I see it. But anyway, sorry, I don't need to go long
0: on that, but that's. What no, I'm I was just thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, I also want to, I want to ask you this, you guys, have worked you guys have been involved in the minor leagues you've worked Mm -hmm. in minor leagues what's your opinion on the uh 42 minor league teams getting cut so
1: really i mean we've talked about this a lot we did a whole episode on how much we love the minors uh before the season started which is probably still one of my favorite podcast episodes we've done um yeah i mean the minors is like what why i love all any of this like i would rather be at a minor league game than at a major league game like 99 times out of 100 um why is that uh the experience of going to a minor league game is so much more like intimate and like you're actually you're up close not just that you're literally physically closer to the field mm-hmm. but it just feels much more like a you're watching like baseball it's pure like yeah it's not the best baseball necessarily right but like what you can see at a minor league game is i think gonna more likely to stand out to you if you see a guy in the minors like i'll never forget seeing tim anderson hit two homers in the carolina league right because Mm -hmm. like when he gets there that just means so much more because it's like oh i remember that i remember seeing dylan bundy when he was in low a i was at bryce harper's first you know professional home game in the minors like all these things like stand out so much more because when you see that guy and you remember like, Oh, right. I saw him in Asheville. Right. I saw Russell Wilson playing minor league baseball. Okay. Like that's (laughs) it's, there's so many more things that you won't have your other friends that have seen necessarily not to mention just the general vibe of minor league baseball, all the variety of just, I mean, it's over 160 different parks, right? Where it's a it's a totally different vibe. It's each town has its own uh, community of people that really, really, really love these teams. And you know, to answer your question, Oliver, like the saddest part is that the whole 42 teams thing that was before the pandemic, yeah. and we're starting to get rumors about this now. It is about to get ugly in a very, very bad way, to the point where I can't even begin to speculate how different minor league baseball is about to look, but I'm telling you now, th- when we're talking in April, it like minor league baseball is just never going to be the same. So, I hope that it obviously I'm still going to love it and I'm still going to go uh, appreciate it, but um and Jake's made this point, it really sucks is that like we got that report before this season, we were like, well, this is terrible, but at least these teams are gonna to get to like say goodbye generally to at least affiliated ball or whatever. Right. That's what the 2020 season was supposed to be for these 42 teams. Um, and they're not even gonna get that chance. So the point is is that it's really upsetting. Um, as simply as I could put it, less baseball is less good for the sport right (laughs) like it's not that complicated um but i'm just sad for all these communities across the country because like we've literally driven across america like going to these games and so knowing what these teams mean to some of these places that are farther away from major league towns um it's it sucks a lot and you should all support your minor league teams if you have one near you
0: (laughs) i mean i agree with everything you're saying and i think that another thing for me is that in terms of the players, you know, there are going to be players who don't get that opportunity to go and play for them. And they can, you you never know, you know, yep. if you're Mike Piazza's, you're, you know, you're, you're TJ Rivera's. They'll never get that. You'll Mike never Brasso. get that. Mike yeah, Brasso. I mean, Mike there's Brasso. a bunch of stories about
1: that uh, in this, in this postseason. I mean, there's
0: going to be players who aren't going to get that opportunity oh. who could be, who could eventually be legends. 100%,
1: 100%. And it's that, but it's like, it's in some ways like, yeah, that's true. But like,
2: I, There's no other system like it.
1: Right. Exactly. That's listen. That's like why I fell all the way back in love with baseball is getting into the minor league stuff and knowing that there's eight freaking levels that you got to get through (laughs) and that everybody has to go through it unless you're Garrett Crochet and you throw 101 and there was no minor league season. You're (laughs) Uh probably going to go to the minor leagues. Right. There's and then I and honestly, he'll probably be the last person to ever do that. Right. So like, as I thought that whatever Chris Sale was going to be or uh, Mike Leake, I should say, Um, like. That is something that every player is going to go through. um, And I just love tracking that, right? Like, that's why I love college ball. That's why I love D3 ball. That's why I love the minors, KBO, like any kind of different version of baseball. Obviously, Major League Baseball is what keeps me employed, right? But like, (laughs) um, I love all the other stuff because that's the baseball that feels more meaningful in some senses.
0: Yeah.
2: And then also like for the minor league players too, like the draft is so many rounds. So for some of these guys, like like a, like a top ten pick is no guarantee to work out. So it's interesting to see like these guys that you know worked their way through the ranks, and you're like, oh, he's like a twentieth round pick, and it's and you're like, oh yeah, I saw that guy play in like whatever city. Yeah, it also feels like you're like connected to like for those smaller communities, like they really get connected to those teams.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's we- It's weird to think about, but like the affiliates that do stay connected for that long, they are usually fans of that major league team, even if that major right. league team is nowhere near there. Um, And that's, that's cool. But also like the thing you have to remember is that there are also these people in these, towns who they don't they don't care who's playing right for me like yeah i like to go find the prospects or i like to go keep track of who's who they don't care who's playing they just care that they're playing in you know 10 minutes from their house and there's baseball you know all summer long right then that's it's it's way more important for those people than for the you know the dorks like me who want to go watch julio rodriguez (laughs) play for you know west virginia right like it's it's a totally different level um and and, in those simple terms is really uh where it's kind of heartbreaking
2: yeah and from some of the stuff you are you were saying, like, it could get bad, like, in April, like, what do you mean by that? Like, in terms of – is it just more teams you think are going to get cut?
1: Yeah, I just think that, like, I thought with the whole 42 teams thing that we were going to be headed towards – Four full season levels, which is, you know, we have four, there, there are four levels of minor league baseball that are played from yeah. April until September, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the short season and rookie ball teams that yeah. those seasons start in July after the draft. Mm-hmm. Those were the leagues like the Appalachian League, which we already know is t- come, turning into a college league. Those are the leagues that we knew were mostly on the chopping block, right? My fear is that once we really start to understand the financial ramifications of COVID from this year, cause like we know the season was canceled, but we don't really know who's been hurt the hardest. I just worry that we're gonna be having a situation where there are some teams that don't even have a low A club, right? And that's something that back in March, I couldn't have even fathomed. I could be wrong. Um, I, I This is not any sort of inside scoop. I just think we're at the very beginning of understanding how much minor league baseball is about to change. Um, and that's scary. Uh, but I hope that it, uh, can still kind of uh, maintain it's, it's, listen, whatever form it still takes on, I'm obviously going to still love and support it. And there's still going to be, there are still going to be likely over a hundred teams across this country, I hope. Mm. Um, but I, that's kind of what I mean by how different it could be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is already really lopsided. And something that I think is underrated is the fact that like, The Yankees, let's go before all this craziness, the Yankees regularly field eight minor league teams, and some teams don't only field like five or six, right? So there's so the Yankees have like two Dominican teams, and two teams in the GCL, and they have Pulaski, and they have Staten Island, like, but then the cheaper teams only have five minor league teams. And those are actual roster spots. Like those are 30 extra players you are allowed to have in your organization. That is a huge advantage. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm curious to see as this whole minor leagues gets reshuffled, if, if that kind of thing remains where the Yankees are teams that want to spend money on their development are like, yeah, we're going to keep it. And we're going to have five minor league teams and other teams yeah. are going to be like, we're going to have, Three, um, And that's you know But who knows again it's early I don't want to speculate I'm just I just think we're way Far away from really knowing what Am uh, I at least gonna look did nice like I, like I, I think
2: want. I saw something Where like the the Las Vegas what are the the aviators Is that what they're mm-hmm. called now yep but they yep. used to be the 51 51s the 50 like, like, ones, I have a 51 like. They have yeah. like higher yeah. attendance than the Marlins
1: oh yeah oh well Some of the, yeah some of these some of these new Like double a triple a parks Do great they, yeah, they like do crazy sell out crazy every game, yeah I think no I, I mean and they're because if they their uh, capacity is fifteen thousand and if they're selling out most games then yeah they, you are going to draw higher than the Marlins yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah it's 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 pretty good even Dayton in low A uh, draws like they have a crazy attendance record um, so yeah there's there's some really really strong minor league communities out there awesome. well
2: we hope that the uh, minor league teams can stay in business but thank you Jordan. Um, yeah for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, and you can hear Jake and Jordan on their podcast assessment is family barbecue podcast. It's on the ringer, right? And it's mm-hmm. also yep. on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.
1: Yep. Baseball barbecue, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, check it out. We're on Mondays and Thursdays, uh, during the season and the off season will probably be once a week. Um, but we are going to keep it going through the winter. So thank you guys both for the invite. This was very fun.
2: Yeah, coming. You can also hear Oliver and me right here on VIC radio every Saturday, nine AM to nine thirty right here. So have a good weekend, everybody. Thank you, Jordan, for joining us. And yeah, have a good weekend.
0: Have a good weekend.